Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Saying goodbye to your litter can be an emotional time. It's the culmination of months of hard work and the beginning of a new life for your puppies and their owners. You can make this moment even more special by providing your buyers with an exclusive go-home day offer as part of Trupanion's breeder support program. It gives owners access to the full Trupanion policy with no waiting periods so you know your puppies are covered should they get into any mischief in their new home. Sign up is easy and free. Just follow the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am being joined on this fine Sunday morning by my good friend, Dr. Marty Greer, and we are going to talk about a very cool topic. We're going to talk about whether we should breed or show our bitches. What do you think, Marty? I think we need to throw the boys in there too. Oh, valid? Yeah, it's not just about the girls. And the one that I run into a lot in my end of things, using stud dogs when they're actively competing in the field in performance events. Yeah. I have a dog that I want to breed that I'm really hoping the bitch comes in season before field trial season starts because they won't use him during trial season. So lots and lots and lots of interesting topics to go on this one. I told Marty earlier I wanted to start the show with a story because it is such an epic story in this constant challenge, the weighing the balances between breeding our bitches and showing our bitches. And the Spinoni bitch that I showed was in season, getting ready to be bred, being shown, and she won back-to-back groups under very prestigious judges. Ed Biven, Peggy Beisel, McIlwain, both gave her group wins. And I, of course, as the handler, was very excited. I'm like, yay, her career, we're going to take off. And her breeder and owner, God love her, and she is a saint for this, said, no, no, we're breeding her. And of course, handler me is lying on the floor crying and breeder me is saying, go you. So she whelped a beautiful litter, most of which are finished. She came back after her litter and became the breed's first best in show winning Spinoni bitch. So it can be done. That's my spin on this. What's your thoughts, Marty? I really think we need to put a bitch's breeding career way up the list on priorities. And it is difficult when you've got a bitch or a male, for that matter, out there and they're winning. It's hard to pull them. It's hard to miss that opportunity. But I look at it as most bitches, most stud dogs get better with age. They look better when they get to be mature, four, five, six years old. But fertility isn't so kind. Fertility is an elusive and a God-given right. And if we don't take advantage of the youth and the fertility associated with youth, I think we're missing a big opportunity to finish bitches because we all know those bitches that won the national and then never got pregnant or couldn't get pregnant easily and the struggles that go with that. So yeah, you know, if she's mature and she's finished 
and even maybe if she isn't, I've finished plenty of bitches of my own after a litter. Yep. And yes, I have shown a pregnant dog. I know people are like, oh, no. So I'm just going to say, if you ever had children, if you were ever pregnant as a human, I'm going to bet that you didn't sit in your house for nine months unless it was during COVID for yet another reason. You still went to work. You still went to school. You still went to your job. You went to the grocery store. You did all those things. And you weren't worried about picking up infectious diseases that could affect your pregnancy. And you were pregnant for a lot longer than your dog is. So I have shown a pregnant dog did pretty well, in fact. And the judge came over when she was on the table and whispered to my daughter, she's a little heavy. And she whispered back, she's a little pregnant. And the judge said, okay. And I think our judges need to think about that because you can't have a bitch that's in great show coat and all the other things that go with blowing coat and heat cycles and all the other things. I think they really need to take that into account when they're judging that the whole reason that we show our dogs in AKC and the whole reason AKC makes us show dogs that are intact is because they're meant to be reproducing. So the judges need to be a little lighter handed on that and realize that, yeah, a third of her year is going to be spent coming into heat, in heat, or going out of heat. I only have eight months left. And that's if she grows coat back nicely. If you're really, really lucky. I'm laughing at you talking about showing the bitch pregnant. I forgot to mention that Adele went to the national and went best of opposite sex under Mike Faulkner while pregnant during that time. So yeah, it can be done. And so let's talk about some of the things that people do that are designed to not have the females come in season. And how do you feel about those things? You're talking about intervention with drugs, I assume. Yep. Well, for many, many years, we had check drops, Mabolarone, which was a testosterone-based product on the market made by Upjohn. And it was used for tens and tens of thousands of dogs. A lot of them were greyhounds on the track, but mm. a lot of them were not. They were show dogs as well. And it was met as a hormone to keep females from cycling. And it worked very well, and it was safe, and it was effective. It could not be used for more than two consecutive years because of the concerns about thinning the uterine wall. And yes, it had some side effects. The bitches got a little bit more muscled up. They lost a little bit of their girlish figure and they became a little bit more muscular. Their coats grew better. Some bitches would have epiphora, which is an eye discharge, just a little bit of watery eye discharge. Some bitches would have sort of a sticky mucousy vaginitis kind of discharge, similar to that that you see in the bitches before they've come into heat for the first time. Mm. That puppy vaginitis that you see because of the effect of the testosterone on the vaginal mucosa. And what needed to be recognized was, yes, this was the side effect of the drug. And no, this is not a pyometra. And no, it can't be a pyometra because you can't have a pyometra if you don't have a heat cycle. And some of the bitches got a little aggressive. So there were some side effects that weren't necessarily ideal, but it did serve a function. It is currently not on the market, not because it wasn't a great drug or not because it wasn't safe, but because when Upjohn had its merger and acquisition to become Pfizer, and then Pfizer became Zoetis. Drugs that weren't selling in high enough quantities or large enough volume were pulled off the lines because merger and acquisition companies do that to make their companies profitable. So it wasn't a concern about the drug itself. It wasn't profitable enough for the company to continue carrying the line. It became a drug that you could get compounded. And of course, that meant that it was an off-label use. Over the years, It has also now become a controlled substance because of the concern about testosterone being a drug that is abused by bodybuilders. So it is now a controlled substance, 
like a narcotic, not because of narcotic effects, but because of the abuse potential for it. Interesting. People using it inappropriately. And it's now down to, I believe, one compounding pharmacy that you intermittently get it from. And that makes me just a little bit nervous to think that it might not be as safe as we once saw when it was being manufactured by a pharmaceutical company. It's now being done in small batches, and it's really a concern. The alternative to that, however, is magestral acetate, which at the time that the Bolaron was on the market, remember, this stuff came to market before we routinely spayed everything. So right. back in the 70s, before our change in our society of spaying and neutering everything, which is another topic that we can't get into today, those drugs were a lot more commonly used. And so this drug was called Ovaban, but it's magestral acetate. It is still available on the human side. And I still use it fairly often in females that we're trying to keep from having a heat cycle. So there are two protocols to use it. One is to keep the bitch from coming in and you give it at a low dose for 32 days. The alternative is if she's already in heat, if you catch her in the first 48 hours, you can give it at four times the dose, but for only eight days. So one fourth of the length of time, but four times the amount of drug dose. So it comes out to be the same number of milligrams over the course of the treatment. The problem with it is if you give it once the bitch comes into heat, there is a small risk that you're going to create a pyometra. If you give it before she comes into heat, so if you know she usually comes in in January and June, and so you start in December or May and you block her heat cycle, she won't develop a pyometra. And a lot of people don't understand this, but if you think it through, it's obviously really logical. If you don't have a heat cycle, you can't have a pyometra. Pyometra is not a bacterial disease. Pyometra is a hormonal disease superimposed with a bacterial disease. So when you look at it that way, you block the heat cycle. You actually reduce her risk of pyometra, not increase it. So I will use it as a preventive, as the low-dose 32-day protocol, but you have to be talking to your veterinarian about this well in advance of the time that she's due to come to heat so you have the drug in your hand. It is very, very inexpensive under $30 to do this for most dogs. So it's very affordable. Check drops when it became compounded. It wasn't cheap to begin with. It became more expensive when it was compounded. So it got to be pretty costly, especially if you had a German Shepherd, which needs a higher dose than any other breed on a per weight basis. Interesting. I did use at one point along the way with a client bitch, the compounded version of check drops, and it was not cheap. (laughs) And this was 15 years ago. Right. And you have to keep it refrigerated. So if you're on the road, you have to figure out the mm-hmm. chest or the refrigerator in your camper or whatever you're traveling with. So yeah, there was some downsides to it. Now, Bobolum grew better coat. Ovaban does not, but it keeps the bitches from blowing coat. So if you have one of those double-coated breeds, I have corgis and if they blow coat, some of them don't come back in for another six to 12 weeks. So they can look a little rough. You can keep them from blowing coat by using Ovaban menstrual acetate. It comes on the human side. It comes in a five milligram and a 20 milligram tablet. It's easy to get. If your veterinarian wants to talk to me about it, I'm happy to talk to your veterinarian. I will not give you drug doses as a pet owner, but I will talk to your veterinarian and collaborate with them. So if they're interested in getting more information, I am certainly open to that conversation. Excellent. That is awesome. And since we're on this topic and we're talking about getting our girls bred getting them bred early, and then showing them after. Talk to us a little bit. I have some experience with this, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on it. The drug protocols that we can use to bring our bitches into season when they refuse. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I've done this one, so I'm real curious on your thoughts on that. 
Sure. Again, a really interesting topic. So a few years ago, I think the pet food companies started to change their formulas with the micronutrients. So the macronutrients haven't changed. If you look at the fat and the protein and the carbohydrate content of diets, they look pretty much the same for percentages. However, the micronutrients became an issue, and we have certainly seen a nutritional component to bitches not cycling effectively on a number of diets, particularly the ones with beans, peas, and legumes, but also some of the other ones. You don't have to be in an expensive diet. I have people all the time that I'm on the phone with or talking to in the exam room, and they say, I feed a really good diet. I spend a lot of money on it. Then I find out what it is, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not meeting your needs. So nutritionally, we need to start. You cannot get a bitch to cycle without great nutrition. So I'm going to tell my story. I had a client that called me a few years ago, and he said, I have this great line of retrievers, and they came down from my in-laws. It's a 50-year-old line. They've always had great fertility. I want to make a living raising dogs and not being the tradesman that I am trained to be, but I can't get my bitches to come into heat. And if they do come into heat, they don't get pregnant. And I said, okay. So my first question is always, what do you feed? And they kind of roll their eyes, you know, and he said, well, I feed this food that the local feed mill makes for us. And I said, okay, so tell me about it. So he went on to describe it and his family in-laws had raised minks for a number of years. So they had a local feed mill make their mink diet. And as soon as they were making the mink diet, they said, well, let's make the dog food too. And in fact, that's how Fromm and some of the other pet food companies started was as mink feed and then it transitioned into dog food. So inherently, that's not a bad thing. But I said, you need to go back to the feed mill and figure out what's going on. So he went back, he talked to them and what it had turned out two years prior to the time he called me, something changed at the feed mill and we don't have an explanation for whether it was a staffing change or a financial decision or what happened but they stopped adding the mineral pack and the vitamin pack to the food that he was having manufactured for his own personal kennel. So his bitches stopped cycling. And of course, no one knew it until we really started to question it. And, you know, no one meant for it to be this way, but the bitches simply didn't have the nutrition that they needed. And I said, okay, before your appointment with me, which is in like a week and a half, I want you to go to the store and I want you to buy a bag of either Royal Canin or Purina and start that. And then we'll have you come to the office and we'll take a look at the girls. Well, by then, two of his bitches had come into heat, literally within 10 days of starting the commercially available diet with the appropriate mineral and vitamin content, those bitches had started to cycle. The two of them came in, the one bitch, the older bitch that was six, he said, well, go ahead and progesterone test her because I really have to get her pregnant. She's reaching the end of her breeding career. I've got to get her pregnant. So we timed her with progesterone, bred her. She came back a month later pregnant. The younger bitch, we did not do any progesterone testing on because, again, he was trying to financially get his feet under him. He came back not pregnant. We checked her progesterone, and indeed, she had never actually ovulated. She'd started coming into heat and didn't complete her ovulation. So he has now turned that whole program around, and all of his bitches are now cycling. And we knew something was wrong because the stud dogs were still getting bitches pregnant that were coming from the outside that he was breeding, but his own personal bitches eating this food that was depleted of mineral and vitamins weren't cycling. So. I always start with nutrition. So we go there and then we start talking about other nutritional supplements that may need to be added to that. And my two favorites are going to be International Canine Semen Bank, ICSB, CF Plus, which is really labeled for male dogs. It's a perna muscle supplement. It's labeled for male dogs, but it does help bitches to cycle more regularly and be strong, the Revival product. I do work for Revival. I don't work for ICSB. Both of those products used together, we see a lot of bitches come into heat with doing nothing other than that. 
And in fact, one of my technicians had a bitch that she wanted to breed and she came to me and said, I'd like to put her on cabergoline. And I said, not until you put her on B-Strong and I see if BCF plus. And she kind of went, okay. I said, give it two weeks. And if they're not in heat, then we'll talk about drug intervention. And at that point, she came to me. Well, she actually sent me a picture on her cell phone of the back end of her bitch, clearly in heat. So just changing nutrition can make that much of a difference. If that doesn't do it, then we do use cabergoline. I used to use the Desilorelin, the Superellin implants, but those are currently in the United States only labeled for use in the ferret. And I don't know any ferrets that walk through the door as dogs, so I can't do that. But cabergoline is a human drug. Again, it's an off-label use simply, meaning that it's not labeled. But I would venture to say that if you went to your veterinarian and you really questioned them, probably 50% of the drugs that they're putting your dogs on are not labeled for dogs. That might be something as simple as amoxicillin or prednisone. They're human drugs because the veterinary companies can't make them as affordably as the human companies. So a lot of veterinarians use off-label drugs. So I'm not afraid of it. So cabergoline, we do a progesterone on the bitch to make sure that she has not recently cycled because a fair percentage, maybe 10 or 20% come through the door that they sneaked a silent heat pass. And if you put them on that drug, it'll keep them from bringing into heat instead of bringing them in. So if the progesterone is less than one, then we'll start cabergoline and we give it daily for the first 10 days. And then every other day, the bitches come into heat and it works beautifully on about 70% of the bitches, but nothing's 100%. And most of those bitches proceed to pregnant. So it's a great drug for the bitches that don't cycle. Now, if you're just trying to rush it, you need at least four and a half months between heat cycles. Oh yeah, no. That's not going to work. When I used it, it was on a bitch that I desperately wanted to get a litter from. She lived with the co-owners. She hadn't been in season. Can't remember if she had never come in season. Or if she had come in season once and then never come back in and she was like four. Right. And I said, okay. And I worked with the theriogenologist in my area and that was her recommendation. And I was a bit trepidatious. I was like, hmm, but it worked. She came in season. She got pregnant. She had a lovely litter. Yep. Now, if she's never had a heat cycle, you need to make sure she's really a girl and not a hermaphrodite. So you can DNA for that. You can karyotype them. If they look kind of doggy or they have an osclitoris that's a little prominent, you may need to really worry that she's not really an X-girl. She may be an XYY girl or an XXY girl, some combination of weird genetic stuff. But if she's ever had a heat cycle, you know she's a girl. And at that point, then yes, you can put them on cabergoline and do some pretty cool things with that. So there are genetic tests that are easy to get. You know, all the genetic companies are out there now just simple to get a karyotype on your female and make sure she's a girl. So that's what we do for those. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Hey, crew. Are you looking for the gold standard in canine DNA testing for your breed? Join the winning team at Embark and manage your dog's health, optimize your breeding program, and improve your litter's bloodlines. As the highest rated dog DNA test on the market, they have a lot in common with Westminster's most legendary champions. Plus, they know your breed like the back of their paw. Select ideal breeding pairs to support healthy pedigrees and lifelong care. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to help manage their breeding program from improving genetic health and diversity to screening for disease mutations, understanding traits, and more. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive canine DNA test, visit EmbarkVet.com and use code PUREDOGTALK 
to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK. The world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. Getting back to our original discussion, so should we breed or should we show? My comment to that is going to be, it depends on how important she is in your breeding program. It depends on your breed. If you have a show standard poodle and you're going to have to shave her down, you're going to have to wait till she regrows her coat. If you have a double-coated breed, like my corgis, I take some of my bitches almost a year to grow coat back after having a litter. So you've got to make some of those decisions. And it also depends on your breed. If you have the short-coated dogs, they're easier to get coat back on. For instance, a Vizla or a Danish Swedish farm dog, they grow coat easily. They don't have that double coat that it takes them a long time, but they don't have the luxury of having a coat that kind of covers up the mammary development that is associated with having had a litter. And again, I think it's important that our judges are kind to our bitches that have been bred because our whole purpose of this is to breed dogs. So we need to look at that. Which hazel does help to create that better tuck up? You knew that. I was just going there. I'm like, wait, okay. So what recommendations? We've bred our young bitch. She's two years old. We really want to bring her out as a special in six months. But having puppies hanging off those poor boobies for eight weeks is not going to be beautiful. So talk to us about how to transition a nursing bitch successfully into a show career following a litter. Sure. So she needs to be fit. She needs to be trimmed. So a lot of it is being physically active again. And, you know, the athletic bitches are easy to do that with. Some of the others are a little bit more difficult. So there may be some treadmill work or some road work, some other things to get her trim again. But witch hazel does help. And if she has a tendency to have a lot of mammary development associated with a false pregnancy, again, covergaline will help dry that up. So it's the opposite effect. Covergaline, if we do have bitches that have that huge amount of mammary development with their false pregnancies, and every bitch that has a heat cycle has either a pregnancy or a false pregnancy. She mm-hmm. may not have significant symptoms, but they all have a false pregnancy. So if they do lactate, then you can put them on covergaline, help dry them up. I've done that with a few bitches over the years that are being shown and just aren't attractive at that point in their heat cycle. So you can tidy them up a bit with that. Talk to us about the witch hazel so people know what they should do with that. It's generally just applied to the mammary glands. It's an astringent. It's sold next to the rubbing alcohol at the drugstore. So you don't want her to lick it off or anything like that, but you can apply it. And that puppies does... are off of her once you start using the witch hazel. <laughs> yes, weaned puppies. Please do not put yes. that on. We don't want the puppies to ingest that. But yeah, that's one of those little tricks that we all know about. Love it. But yes, you just have to take her out and show her and get her finished and then breed her and then take her back out for a grand or to win the specialty or whatever your big goals are. And she's just going to look better. Her chest is going to drop. She's going to be more mature. She's going to be a better representation of the breed. She's going to look better as a mature dog than she did when she was younger. So have faith in that. Now the boys. We can't forget the boys. And I do see some male dogs come through our practice that are actively being shown out with a handler, doing a great job, winning everything. And I actually just got a picture through Facebook from a client a couple of weeks ago because I said to her, you're going to have to pull him off the road because his semen quality is really lousy and his testicles are small. And if you want to get anything from this boy, you're going to have to pull him. So she sent me a picture the following week of him winning a show and this beautiful profile picture of him. And she's like, really? And I said, really? Sometimes you have to pick. Sometimes you have to decide between the show career. And it can happen in the field as well. 
you have to pick between the show career and the breeding career. And yes, a lot of the dogs that are out running field trials or hunt tests and are, they really put every calorie into running and nothing is left to make sperm. They overheat, they put their energy into it, their thoughts are elsewhere. And I know some really great, really great field dogs that can be both. They can both compete and have a good breeding career. And people are concerned that they take their male to a show and there's a bitch there in heat. Now, first of all, they're not supposed to be entered in field trials and hunt tests and all those things when a bitch is in heat. But secondly, if you can train your dog well enough to run a field trial at a competitive national winning level, you should also be able to tell him, no, you're not allowed to breed at the showgrounds. I have one client who taught her dog the love rug. So <laughs> in her garage was the love rug. And that's where he was allowed to have a mating with a bitch or a collection with a bitch. And he was not allowed to do that out in the field or outside the trailer or at the kennel. Anywhere but that rug. Exactly. So if he's smart enough to run a field trial and win a national, he's smart enough to know when it's okay to breed and when it's not. Exactly. People are like, well, I can't teach my dog. Not well, do you let your dog stand in the middle of the kitchen table and eat the leftover tacos? Well, no. Okay, then why wouldn't you train them to do this other stuff? You have smart dogs. Teach them what you want them to know. So obviously frozen semen. I mean, males, at least you have that. I mean, not every female is going to want frozen semen that some are going to want life cover or what have you. But at least with the males, you have an option. Right. So again, before he's old, ideal time to breed and freeze is between two and five years of age for the males. So collect him when he's young. You know he's going to be a great dog. You don't have to wait for him to win something to know that. You know what his talents are. So collect him when he's young. If it turns out that later on you don't like something about him, you can always throw the semen out. It's only money. But I have people that come all the time with older dogs. They may be sick. They may be elderly. And they're just like, I really, really, really want a puppy out of this guy. I really need semen. And they've got three sperm and two of them are swimming backwards. And there's nothing we can do at that point. Nothing you can do. Collect him young. We have a sign on our wall in big letters that says freeze early and freeze often. Please, (laughs) please, please. Do those things because you can always throw it out later. The other cool thing that's happening is DNA testing becoming so much more advanced and there's still a long way to go. So don't get me wrong. I don't think we're at the end point, but we collect an FTA card on all the male dogs that we free semen on, which is a blood card that we can then store the blood in a file cabinet instead of in a tube in the refrigerator. So for the dogs that are already deceased and we have frozen semen on, because we started this about 20 years ago, I can go back to the FTA card take a sample off of that, send that into the diagnostic lab and say he is clear for the 40 diseases that your breed wants you to test for because you look at paw prints and you look at Embark and you look at Missouri and you look at UPenn, you look at all those genetic places, UC Davis, they've got all these panels that they're running now and it's really cool, but you don't want to thaw out your semen to run that test. So right. it's real simple to add that FTA card and you can do it on the females too, of course, it's not just a male right. dog thing, but you don't have the females archived in your semen tank the way you do the boys. So you can go back, pull out that card, test them and say, okay, he's clear for this, 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 and this, and he's a carrier for that. That makes him a good candidate for my breeding program. Let's go. And now you have the ability to test that information. So yes, freeze early and freeze often. That's the most important advice I can give anybody today is freeze early and freeze often. I love it. And remember, bitches lose their fertility. It starts to drop by 33% after age six. So yeah, you can still breed them if they're older and in good health, but their fertility isn't going to be as good. Please don't wait. Just breed them young. As soon as their health clearances are done, get them pregnant and then bring them back out. Right. 
And one of the things I would speak to, because again, lived experience, we put our bitches on the road, we campaign that bitch. What diseases, what stress, what whatever, my bitch that I specialed before I brought her, I mean, most successful, big winning, you name it. I barely scraped by getting two litters and the nightmare scenarios that I had with her, I can't even discuss. So truly and honestly, breed them first, then show them. Yeah, she's going to look great. She'll be fine. Yep, absolutely. Feed her appropriately and you know, use the right nutritional supplements and get her back in shape and bring her out when she's mature. It's just not worth it because what great dogs are standing around that never had puppies because we waited too long. And it's such a shame to lose those genetics. In fact, with one of my own kids, I had one that won the national that a friend of mine has, and I kept the ugly stepsister. I knew she was not as pretty a dog. She had a better body, but she didn't have as pretty a head. But, you know, a head you can put on in one generation. So I kept her and kept her home as the ugly stepsister. She had beautiful litters, produced beautiful puppies. So I knew she was the bird bitch. She's the one with the wide pelvis. She's the one right. with the wealth of litters. Right. Yeah, she's my bird bitch. So look at your bitches that way. I know. Sometimes you got to look at it that way. I agree. Like, I know you're not quite as pretty, but you know what? You can make babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good babies. Yeah, and she's produced beautifully for us. Yeah. I mean, really beautifully for us. So when you're placing your puppies, start looking at, you know, have an eye for what looks great in the ring. And what looks great in the whelping box, because they may not necessarily be the same bitch, but they're very similar genetically. So with the right breeding program, you can use that ugly stepsister really, really well in your breeding program and then carry through those genetics in a really effective way. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you, Marty. I know you have work to do, and I am so appreciative of your graciousness to spend some time with me on this Sunday morning. Absolutely love to do it. Thanks for having me. All right, crew, are you excited for Westminster this year? I say come join us for a breeder appreciation party on Friday, June 11th, being sponsored by Good Dog, Embark Vet, and Trupanion. We'll be outdoors at Hudson Anchor Rooftop, less than 10 minutes away from Westminster, and there will be free food, drinks, live music, giveaways from Chris Christensen, Revival Animal Health, and more. Plus, you can bring your dogs and celebrate the return of dog shows with lots of your fellow breeders. And P.S. If you didn't get the memo yet, Greenwich Kennel Club is hosting a weekend of standalone specialties just 30 miles down the road from Terrytown in Norwalk, Connecticut. I'll be floating around in all the places, and I can't wait to see everybody. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. 
Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.